Welcome to One Decent Pastor, a weekly podcast of The Door located in Central Oregon, where three completely average guys join forces to make One Decent Pastor and to discuss, discover, and promote all things Bible. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. Uh, good to have you with us. We're uh, going to be talking today uh, about uh, the church universal, uh, the idea of not just the local church, but but uh, so we brought in a guy that gets around theologically speaking. Uh, Glenn is with us, Glenn Miller, uh, and so we'll, we'll kind of get into that here in a bit, so hang in there, but before yeah. we do that, how's everything going with you guys, and what what's new to, to, to announce or talk about? I don't know if I have anything new to announce or talk about, but things are going good. <clears throat> I missed last week, and, and I tuned in uh, just as a normal listener last week, and it was a good discussion. Bummed to have missed it, but you guys did a good job. And, uh, thanks to Pastor you. Jeff uh, for sitting in. Yeah. yeah, we prayed for you last week, and we prayed the results. For me, and I, I passed my test, so I'm, I'm bona fide Excellent. now in my work world, so that feels good. Chad is, Chad is finally bona fide, yeah. so we've been waiting for this. <laughs> yeah, now it's, have, now it's uh, happened. On my work email signature, I now have letters behind my name. So. Ooh, wow. Yeah. What are the letters? Uh, you would, it wouldn't matter. It, it, would, it would bore you to tell you. Okay. <laughs> I, I want to be impressed, but I'm, kind of, I'm a little skeptical. About it's, it's, not, it's not MD or PhD. Right. Yeah. Or MA. Like those are the, yeah. the ones that you know, people those would know. Nothing matter. like that. Okay. All right. So you're. Yeah. So, so I missed last week, but glad, glad to be back uh, on this. I look forward to this every week and, and bummed in the times that I have to miss. So. Yeah, in case uh, you're tuning in and can see us instead of just listening to us, Pastor David is not here today. He is in Texas visiting his family, so he's, he's at his brother's house uh, enjoying the, the wonderful Texas weather, and and so he might be tuning in. If so, howdy, David. Howdy. Um, he'll be back yeah. next week, though. But uh, Glenn, you've been gone for a while. I'm back now, so maybe just kind of <coughs> fill us in on kind of what you've been doing. Well, uh, the end of January, I was in Liberia uh, doing some trainings there with pastors, and uh had a wonderful time there. I came directly back uh, into the States at in Phoenix and had ministry meetings there and uh, visited, uh, actually visited Terry and Nancy in Casa Grande, Arizona while we were down there and then had um, some time of vacation with family in Florida. So uh, I came from Florida where it was 65, 70, 75 degrees, <laughs> 80 degrees and then came back last Thursday, and I think it was Friday, it snowed. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> you know, that was kind of a shocker <clears throat> to, to come back. But It's going to be 68 today. Oh, yeah, this is yeah. the best of the best right yeah, now. Kind of crazy. Yeah, so and you're, you're involved with an organization. Um, maybe you want to tell people just briefly about the organization that you're Yeah, part of. so at the end of 2017, I became familiar with Global Training Network uh, based out of Phoenix, which is where we had our leadership gathering I mentioned. Um, and um, I, I was going through uh, uh, some social media and I noticed a guy that was in Rwanda and uh, he was describing the, the, the experience of just having pastors talk with him, asking them questions and then having the Lord just you know share with him what he needs to share with these pastors. And it was such a good experience for him. So I waited until he came back and contacted him and that's how I got involved. In global training network so I've been uh, <coughs> out now since the beginning of 2018 with GTN uh, working with leadership development of pastors in the majority world which yeah, is primarily in Africa and we as a church 
began to support, you know, we've kind of been supporting you from a distance, you know, with prayer and, you know, that kind of thing, but financially started to support uh, the work that you guys are involved in. And so it's just been cool to kind of see uh, the church's participation and excitement about what's going on. And, and uh, one of these days before too long, when you're here for a bit, we're going to try to do a Friday night where we get together and, and have, uh, you know, spend some time with you and Stacy and kind of let the church really get more involved in what you're doing. Um, so we'll, we'll try to get that on the calendar before long because it'd be fun for the church to be able to dive in a little bit more and learn yeah. more about what you're all about. So That would right. be wonderful. Right. That would be yeah. wonderful. We look forward to that. Yep. It might be a PowerPoint with a laser pointer slideshow. <laughs> it's okay, though. We'll do it. We'll do old school missions. Well, this is so. not an overhead projector type thing. <laughs> yeah. We have to have a limit of no more than 20 pictures, though. Have you ever been one of those missions things where you just sit there and it's like looking through their, oh. their, their album for, yeah. for two hours? It's just like, and this is a guy named Rick who we saw one time. He's yeah. like, that's a bush. Anyway, well, probably worth mentioning. Like you, you and I go back a little ways, even before our involvement at the door. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Glenn's daughter and son-in-law were neighbors of ours uh, when we lived in another place a long time ago, and yeah. so, so you, so we, we have a history that goes back a little farther, which is kind of cool. To it's a sketchy history. It's a sketchy history, <laughs> but getting less sketchy as time goes on. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. We'll, we'll leave the listeners to figure out what that means. That's that it's right. a sketchy history. Double meaning there. You can submit your questions by email. Yeah, right. I, don't, I don't know. That. I'm not even sure what's going on. <laughs> uh, by the way, before I forget, um, this Sunday here at the 3R location, we're going to do a, a, a kind of a send-off for Randy and Dion. So we're doing an all-church potluck. Um, uh, the, Marty and Dave Kreps are kind of the ones that thought, you know, we, you actually Chad had mentioned it weeks ago, we should do something. Yeah. So we should, but we didn't come up with much. So <laughs> thank you, Marty said, and Dave. Yeah, thank you so much for organizing that. And uh, well, basically, we're not. it's not going to be super organized so just bring a dish that you want to share okay. i'm weird that way i want i want people to bring like a, a detailed description Vegetables. of what's in this <laughs> everything that's in this and then i want maybe a picture you of want your a kitchen. picture of the kitchen don't yeah you? absolutely yeah. right next to it so you can kind of see what i want to know what i'm getting into here picture <laughs> yeah. of the ingredients yeah and and the, and the state of the kitchen you know someone you know, happened to have the health department sign off on it you would probably I would want like that, that too yeah i'm weird that way or just somebody bring chicken that's you know from the gas station or research <laughs> you know there's something safe right but we're going to go with this anyway and just take our chances. It'll be so. fun to honor their their time and involvement here. Yeah. yeah. It's weird that, you know, um, you go way back with them uh-huh. at, through the Calvary Chapel, and then they've been with us now for three or four years. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's going to be weird to not have them around and lead in worship, uh, yep. but, but we wish them all the best, and we want to just send them off and, and bless couple. them. So. Yeah. Evidently, God has listened to their prayers more than he's listened to ours because <laughs> they are moving. So uh, I don't know what to I'm do not going to admit that I prayed that they wouldn't go, but I might have. <laughs> I might have Made that desire known. Yeah. <laughs> but we're happy for him. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, plan on coming right after church Sunday here. We're going to do a, a send-off and a meal together. So mm. Yeah, so that'll yeah. be fun. Yeah, that's all I got to announce. So. Well, Harley, I don't think you said how things are going for you. We said, but you didn't say. Oh, things are going good. It's been a, a busy couple of weeks. Uh, just uh, sometimes, as, as a pastor, you guys know this, that you have, you know, you're just kind of looking at your <clears throat> watch and going, you know, I should probably do something. There's not much going on. And then there's other weeks where... You can't really figure out which way's up, and sure. this is one of those weeks where it's been really busy the last couple of weeks, and I need to prepare a sermon, <laughs> and I still haven't really gotten to that. So, um, looked at it a bunch, but yeah, I got a lot to do in the next couple of days. So, yeah, well, that's we okay. Can pray for you in that. Yeah, that's okay. great. Yeah, but all in all, good. 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 Yeah. Well, should we pray and then jump in? Yeah, all go right. for it. All right, Father, we uh, we're grateful that we get to talk about a subject that we know is near and dear to you, your church. Uh, Lord, we, we love your church. Uh, it's easy to, to pick it apart sometimes, and it's easy to, um, to maybe find fault. 
but uh, we are the bride of Christ. We are the, the, you know, something that is precious to you. And so we pray that we would um, speak well of your bride and that we mm-hmm. would love your church and that we would be encouraged by the things we talked about today. Even though we are going to take an honest look maybe at some of the things that we see going on, uh, we pray that it would honor your name and, and honor our Savior Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. 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 I heard you, when, when you were praying, it made me think of, uh, I heard a pastor one time say that uh, it's a shameful thing uh, to be indifferent towards the thing that Christ loves the most. Mm. Uh, and even more so, more shameful, to be against the thing that Christ loves the most, mm. speaking of the church. Uh, he gave his life and died, you know, for the church. And so, um, you know, the church is flawed. You know, we all we all know that. And, and um, you know, mm. we, we could spend a lot of time picking it apart. But, um, you know, Paul <clears throat> talks about in, in 1 Corinthians 14, he was talking about gifts of the Spirit and weird things happening in churches. And he makes this comment in 1 Corinthians 14, I think it's verse 12. Mm-hmm. And he says that if you want to see a manifestation of the Spirit, excel or strive at building up the church. Right. Like that, that's the, a true manifestation of the Spirit. Not, you know, whatever weird weirdness he's talking about there, but, mm-hmm. but strive at building up the church. And so mm-hmm. we want to build up the church always. Um, you know, be realistic about the flaws and the things that could be better, but but we want to do so in a way that, that builds up and edifies you know, the church always. So anyway, that all that came to mind while you were praying. Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. that was longer than my prayer. My whole life flashed before my eyes while you were praying. I mean, I agree with that, but there, there's also this, this sense in which you look at the, the we went through the letters to the seven churches, right? And, and you know, God God cares about what the church is doing, and, and absolutely. So, so there's a sense where we don't want to pick it apart, but we also we want the church to be holy, and we want right. the church to be um, so, so when he, you know, as he grades those churches, and we kind of when we went through that, we, we thought of ourselves. We were trying to be introspective about that, and so there is there's a place for that as well. And I know you agree with that, absolutely. Um, but there's just we, a way to point out the flaws in a way that, that's yeah. meant to tear down versus a way that's meant to build a- up. Amen. Yeah, that's, right. that's that. That's the distinction I was trying to make. Yeah. And you did it better yeah. while, while I was talking. You were, you were formulating that. And it was good. <laughs> and I think there's a sense in which we don't want to live in denial, but we want to right. really take a, a realistic picture about what's going on. Right. That's exactly it. And that, that's one of the reasons we wanted to have you in is because we can become very, very insular and just we know this church right now. And, you know, we've had other churches experiences, um, you know, where we've gone. But you've been, uh, you know, in Africa. You, you've pastored in different denominations. You've you've kind of got, I mean, maybe maybe a quick little snippet of some of your well, experience. I appreciate, you know, because like they say. the first say, question I had. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so uh, I grew up uh, in in Allentown, Pennsylvania. I was born and raised there. I got saved when I was there, um, accepted Christ. Uh, and I went to a different church then after that because I wanted to grow and I knew the people that uh, at that church were praying for my salvation. So it was kind of like a natural thing to go to that church. I, I really cut my teeth on a lot of different ministries. I even drove the bus for a Wednesday night, you know, ministries. and. So I tried to do anything that I could just to learn where I would fit in in the body of Christ. And I, I received a lot of good uh, mentorship from my father-in-law, Stacy's dad, and I wanted to become a pastor. And uh, I desired that, I desired that. God didn't open the door for me in Allentown. And I think part of it was, was because maybe you know, it, there was some nepotism or fear of nepotism going on. So <laughs> maybe describe what that means to our people. Yeah, just like <laughs> like if there's someone who you know is on staff who you're related to, you know, there there's some uh, there's something going on there. It just gets weird. Yeah, you know? family privilege kind of. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and he said he said actually to us one time he said uh, if this doesn't work out because he tried getting it you know getting it done for us. Uh, that I would come on staff. He said, if this doesn't work out, get out of Dodge. Get out of town. 
And I thought, wow, when your father-in-law says that, that's pretty serious. <laughs> and one of his mentors basically said that too. So we left, went across country to Olympia, Washington, and started with um, a, a completely different uh, denomination. And I've had three successive tough ministries. Uh, and I won't go into the details, but I, I actually, after that third one, I was like, hmm, do I want to get back into the, into the ring and do this again? So I, I kind of like was on the periphery of ministry, parachurch organizations, different things like that. I, I taught at a Christian university in Phoenix, and I was satisfied, but there was something that still wasn't really quite scratching the itch. And I knew that there was something different. And what God was pu putting in my heart was to do what I'm doing now, but I didn't realize it back then. So it took several years to get to that place of, you know, where I was training, you know, and, and doing something that I believe God really had wired me to do. And that takes us to the beginning of 2018. Though I had been to Minsk, Belarus, and to New Delhi, um, India, on trips very similar to what I'm doing now, way back in 98 and 2003. So I've had those those little glimpses of what God was going to do later on in my life, which I'm doing right now. Yeah. So, how long have you, how long have you been at the door now? Uh, wow. Uh, two, or, two or three years? Two or three years. We would come up just for the summers. Yeah. And we would attend here and then kind of got, got, got to, to really enjoying the fellowship here. And then we bought a house uh, uh, the end of August of 2020. And um, then that's when we really started getting planted here because we got planted in the community. Yeah, it's been great yeah. having you guys are in here, and, and it's something that we've noticed almost immediately is this this um, shepherd's heart you have right. oh, to pastor God's people, and even us at times in a good way. Not like yeah. a, not like you've come in and you know Chad's talking <coughs> about times when you just really shepherded him through through periods of time, and and you, it's evident even on Sunday mornings when you're here. So it's it's something God's gifted you in, and, oh, and we're grateful yeah, to have you. Absolutely, yeah. and it's and it's great to have ascending church too. I wanted to mention that when you you talked about it before, because. Um, to have people know who their missionaries are and and still love them <laughs> you know <laughs> and 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 be there to prayer for prayer support even financial support it's something that um, you know missionaries really they really have to have if yeah. they're going to be healthy yeah well, i think a lot of a lot of churches support missionaries that they don't know or they don't see and it's just kind of normal, you know, church culture where, you know, people might, you know, give towards, you know, this fund or that fund or whatever, but yes. not have a personal uh, connection. And it's something that we value is, you know, having a personal connection with our missionaries. And it's just cool that you're you're part of us. You know, not only do we have a personal connection, but you're in our midst. Mm -hmm. Something yeah. that we can see and get to know. And, um, you know, it's just neat. It means means a lot, you know, I think to the fellowship to have mm -hmm. that kind of connection with missionaries. Mm -hmm. Mutually encouraging. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, so, so you give us a little background. So, so you have a long history of uh, just you know pastoral involvement in, in many different ways, and and even teaching at, at um, you know Christian University, mm -hmm. um, you know as missionary as a pastor uh, over a long long period of time. So you've, you, I think of the far, the farmers commercial, the guy that says you know we, we know a lot because we've seen a lot, and that's <laughs> you know you know a lot because you've seen a lot and experienced you know a lot of things uh, you know over a lifetime, and now mm. in you know what would be you know your retirement years, you know you're still still going and, and still serving God. And, well, I feel like I'm cool starting thing. a new career actually yeah. with GTN. And that, that gives energy. And I, I just encourage people to keep looking ahead at what God wants them to do. 
It used to be that uh, I was always looking ahead to something that was way out there. You know, it's like way, way out there, you know. And, and my family would even, you know, kind of, you know, kid me around a little bit. Uh, you know, yeah, Dad wants something global and strategic, global and strategic, I'd say. <laughs> well, it turns out that that's exactly what God had in store. Yeah. You know, now Alicia will say that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dad wants, he's doing something global and strategic. Right. <laughs> it's really inspiring, um, you know, because we, we've got you guys and then you've also got the Browns who, who are in Thailand. And, and this is another man who pastored, you know, he and his wife, you know, were in, in ministry mm-hmm. for years. And at the time when they could have justifiably just hung up their spurs and said, we're out of here, we're going to go retire and enjoy our grandkids. Mm-hmm. They go to Thailand and they start all over again, just like you talking about. <laughs> and I mean, he's, you know, he's in his 70s. They've adopted something like eight or 10 children. Um, they're, they're, it's just, you know, he's training pastors also. Mm-hmm. You guys need to connect one of these days. I'm we, sure you, absolutely. you know, but it's just like, my goodness, you know, this is so cool to see this guy's running as fast as he's ever run right now, yeah. you know, for the kingdom. And it, it just makes you just sit back and go, what am I doing with my time and, right. and my life? And so, you know, it's, it's inspiring to us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I went to Tanzania for the first time in 1988 to do a survey trip for unreached people groups from the church in Allentown that I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, we thought we were gonna go back on the mission field in the 90s. And when, when we finished up with Bible College uh, in 92, the Lord redirected our steps to the pastorate. It wasn't until 2019 that I got a chance to go back to Tanzania for the first time in 31 years. And that's when it really started blossoming in Tanzania, this pastoral training. Yeah. So, me. We have to we have to be very very patient, and sometimes God puts a seed in our hearts right. yeah. that He waters and you know it germinates and goes through the process. And if we're patient enough, then He'll He'll do that. He'll bring it back. Right. I let that that vision go a long time ago, but He brought it back. Well, that's neat to think about, and part of what we'll get into today is just, you know, the, the differences between, you know, kind of what we know as, as Westerners, as the church, and particularly, you know, here in America, um, you know, the, the church, you know, is different in other parts of the world. A lot, some things are the same, but, but there are some differences in the church in other parts of the world, mm-hmm. and so we want to, you know, talk about that <clears throat> today. So maybe uh, just to kind of kick off the, the discussion, mm-hmm. um, how, how would you guys distinguish between the local church and the universal church? How would it be distinguished between the local church? The local church, I think, primarily um, focuses on the needs of the community in which they're serving, but also then finds it um, a challenge to to move beyond the the community and go and look for something not only cutting edge in that community, like the warming center, but also go beyond that to the needs of the global church because there are many mm-hmm. so I mean that's just a, a quick answer but it's focusing on preaching the gospel here as compared to preaching the gospel and maybe across across the ocean right yeah I think it's yeah. super important for us to understand that we're, we're part of something big and I don't think we think that way sometimes sometimes we'll branch out into you know okay maybe you know the United States even to think of the church in, in regards to that but but the idea that because I would say the church is all of God's 
you know, people mm-hmm. throughout all time. So I don't right. even think it's, you know, it's, I would say Abraham, you know, you, you, you know, he's part of the church. Yeah. You know, there's, you, you keep going on back and it's, it's all part of God's called out people. Yes. And to think that, you know, these living stones are being placed into, you know, to this, this thing God's building. And we're, we're just a small part of that right, right here and now. <coughs> um, but, you know, it, it's kind of mind blowing to think in those terms. So, you know, it's exciting what he's doing here in Central Oregon, but mm. we're part of something that's so much bigger than that. And yeah. to get that, 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 you know, that bigger mindset of, God doesn't just love the people in Central Oregon. There's people in Africa. There's people, you know, there's homeless people in Lapine and, and it, weird, you know, homeless camps yeah. out there in the middle of nowhere that, that we're reaching right now. And it just, it just keeps going. It's much bigger than we, we think. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, just looking at the, at the end of Hebrews 12, it talks about a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Yeah. Like, it seems like everything is shaking yeah. these days, you know, with Ukraine and Russia and all kinds of other things in, in the Middle East and whatnot. But we get an opportunity to build a, in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Right. And even that the gates of hell will, prevail. will not prevail against his church. Yes. And, yeah. and, and that's a promise we can, even when it doesn't feel that way, because there's times when, you, you know, it's like, okay, this doesn't seem like this is a good thing going on right now in the mm-hmm. church or in, the, in our country or in the world. Mm-hmm. But he said, no, no, I will build my church. Yes. And, and it will prevail. And it's yeah. like, that's the promise of God. It's like, you know. I take that to the right. bank. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then I think you bring up an important point about, uh, you know, just being part of something bigger. I think for, you know, it's one thing, like if you're in a, in a denominational church, you might have kind of this sense that you're part of something bigger. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, I was in the Calvary Chapel movement for a long time, and it's not a really denomination, but like, you know, people would, would visit from out of town, and it's like, oh, let's find the, the Calvary Chapel that's closest to where we're at, and that's just where we go to church. Right. And so there's this sense of kind of being a part of, you know, something bigger. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like our church, you know, we're, we're a non-denominational, you know, independent church and, and i think sometimes it can be lost on us that, that we are part of something bigger we don't live just in our own you know little bubble mm-hmm. yeah well and it even changes your your idea about the people that god loves and, and who right. you know I, again you i don't know I, we get so myopic and so but the idea you know there's muslims out there and you think oh they're the enemy of our country and they're you know that god loves muslim people and, right and jesus yes. came to die for them you yes. know and they're part of the church yep. so they're brothers in christ that that you know more so than than it just we just yeah. don't think that way. And when you begin to get a glimpse, I mean, we tell you know there's big discussions about immigration right now. And it's like we're immigrants. Yeah. You know, we were let in. <laughs> we were grafted into God's program. And so, so that bigger picture of you know, you go to Africa and it's like yeah. I have nothing in common with Africa at all. Mm-hmm. But then you go there and you start to see. We were talking about this before. Yeah. You start to see these people that you don't know, you can't relate to, you don't know. We, we've dealt with that with homelessness, with special needs. Yeah. And, and it's like I don't know these people. And then pretty soon you start to see that God loves these people and they become closer than family to you. It's just a bizarre thing that happens in the church. Yeah. And coming out of our own comfort zone, no matter where the ministry is taking place, like from uh, Three Rivers to Lapine is, what, 15, 10, 15 miles away. But God can take us out of our comfort zone, you know, in just just that short distance. Yeah. Yeah. It's really really encouraging to see. But I think that's part of branching out is getting out of our comfort zones. Yeah, absolutely. We were talking about that kind of before the broadcast started of just, you know, just in our own local ministries of people in our churches that uh, are stretching themselves saying, hey, I'm, I'm apprehensive about jumping into this thing, but I'm going to do it anyway as an expression of faith. Uh, and it's a cool thing to see, you know, what God does through that. And so for some people, you know, the stretch is walking across the street, so to speak. And for other people, the stretch is like hopping on a plane. Yeah. Uh, I think of a guy, um, part of a church I was in years ago, he would always make it known, like kind of like pat himself on the back type of thing that, that he, he gives money to the missionaries so he doesn't have to go. Okay. You know, so he doesn't, it's like, I'll give money to the guy that goes on a plane so I don't have to go on a plane. Hmm. And, and we always have these discussions like that's not the right attitude to have, you know. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, but he's that was, living, I'm living vicariously through somebody else by sending money or right. whatever. I'll support you and you go do that and yeah. I'll stay here in my own comfort zone so I don't have to go do the uncomfortable thing. And at the end of the day, it really is a disconnect and you know, help yeah. me understand the gospel um, and, and what God There's so much joy, though, when you, when you go outside the comfort zone and there's a freedom in that. You know, God frees us up from some of those things. You know, you hear about people who, who just, they, they make certain things their idol or they, they're hoarders or, or whatever, you know. And, and to, to get rid of some of that stuff that they're emotionally investing in is a healthy thing. It frees, it frees people up. So I'd say, you know, the experience of, of going to Africa has been extremely healthy because part of it is that he's taking me out of those things that I've trusted in. You know, in the past. Yeah. So you've traveled. Have you ever traveled abroad for any kind of like for a mission trip or anything? Mission trip to Mexico. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. All right. I, I don't know. I'm. Uh, I like to stay home where it's yeah. where, it's, where it's cozy. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, I. I think I would. I think I'm not. I'm not. A, I, I'm, I don't have any adventurous kind of spirit. I've never had that. Like God didn't wire me that way. <clears throat> I'm that the the tried and true. Um, loyal guy that never leaves the yeah. job, that never leaves the church, that never, you know, I just, that's kind of how I'm wired. So I would be very surprised if God called me to that, but, mm-hmm. you know, Jonah was surprised. Right. So he may <laughs> at some point say, you're going to Nineveh, buddy, and I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. But, but it does, it's not how I'm wired sure. at all. So we'll see. John Piper talks about that there, there are the senders, there are the goers, and there are the disobedient. Yeah, so like, like we all engage, you know, in the mission in some way. Yeah. And, and not, not everybody's called to necessarily go mm-hmm. you know, yeah. over there. Um, some people are, you know, like you, and, and that's great. Um, you know, I've had opportunity to travel to Cambodia a couple of times, and, and I don't, like I wouldn't say that I, I feel called to that necessarily, right. but mm-hmm. um, have been great experiences and, and good to see kind of the church on the other side of the world and, mm-hmm. and Christians on the other side of the world. and. Um, you know, an invaluable experience and, and something I, I would consider doing again. Actually, and, going to Mexico know. was life changing. Just seeing the way that these people lived and that they could mm-hmm. have joy with nothing. Right. And uh, it, it, it blew my mind. And the students that we took, it was just amazing to see how it rocked their world as mm-hmm. well in a, in a way that was <clears throat> profound. So I would, you know, it was it was worthwhile. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I'd probably jump at the chance to go again if I got the opportunity. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. David will never go to anywhere because he's got to eat weird food and he can't do that. Well, right. at, least in, at least he's in Texas, right? Texas isn't weird food. Right. Well, for yeah. David, that, there might be some weird Tex-Mex. food in Texas. I mean, he's yeah, chilly if it's beans, but but that's his biggest concern. It's yeah. like if I go to Thailand, what am I? What are they going to feed me? It's right. Like, it's it's always the, about the food and the bathroom situation. Yeah, yeah that's um, right. Is how you decide where you're going to go in the world because the, the two are very closely related. Well, could you expound? No, maybe we should, <laughs> well, I could ex- we should move on to the next question. Yeah, question. I could expound, but that would be another <laughs> podcast for another time about the food and bathroom situation yeah, that's a couple on the other side of the now. world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will just say this, that like, and maybe it's, this is in Africa too, I don't know, but the dynamic in Cambodia is when they, when they see a white guy going to the bathroom with a napkin dispenser from the table <laughs> under your arm, like they know like that guy's not from around here. Right. <laughs> it's just a weird thing. So. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Bathroom stories are but yeah. they abound. Right. Yeah. That's a couple layers down right. from our discussion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, Fuck. Fuck. Chad. Right. That's all I got yeah. now. Right. <laughs> Moving on. Oh, you did it to yourself. <laughs> I did. Oh. I was walking to these. Okay, so, so we've distinguished between kind of the local church and the universals. The universal church, kind of all Christians over all time, 
uh, in history, mm-hmm. backwards and forwards, uh, right, comprise the, the universal church, the local church, uh, is, is kind of a brick in the wall, uh, you know, mm-hmm. of, of the global church. And so we have our local church here, um, you know, where we're at. There are local churches on the other side of the world, right, mm-hmm. um, that, that comprise the, the bigger universal church. So, so what would you say, um, and I'll start, start with you, Glenn, since you have traveled uh, the world. Um, what, what are some of the main differences that you see um, from the church in America compared to the church, for example, in Africa? And maybe what are some of the similarities? The, so I think that there's a, a much stronger need that a perceived need for leadership development in in other in, in like the majority world. I'll refer to, you know, like churches in Africa or Asia as the majority world. So, so America is not the majority world. Well, is that what you're saying? Actually, actually, if if you look at, <laughs> I'm, I'm being a little bit yeah, right. But, but like, like we need to understand that we're not in the majority there's world. There's a lot right? of di- <laughs> right. There's a lot of different ways of of kind of compartmentalizing, and some are helpful, maybe others. The global south and the global north, different things like that. When I when I go to Africa, I see huge differences, and there's a joy that they have there. Not only their perception of leaders, they need leadership development. They absolutely know they need it because, like, eighty percent of the pastors <coughs> there don't have any training in in Bible school or seminary. Whereas there's so much here yeah. in in the, the global north, uh-huh. but not. Most most pastors don't have training, you know, 80, 85% don't. So that's a big difference. There's a need for training. There's a need for leadership development there. Another thing is when you go to those churches, at the same time all that is true, there's a joy that they're experiencing in worship that is, it's kind of rare, I would say, across the global north. I'm sure that there are some, some I, I think we, we sense the Lord working in worship, but there's an exuberance in worship there that, that it's, it's uncommon, but it's very refreshing. Sometimes you're just sitting there and you're just wondering, what I, I, I'm not sure what to do. Part, part of that's probably cultural, and part of it is just yes. probably how, how God is working in that, that part of the world. Yeah, so those I'd say those are some major differences. Um, let, let me ask you real quick before you answer the next question. So, sure. the, so these pastors that, that you talk about training, are they typically um, full-time pastors, or is this, do they typically have... You know, they have to work the farm or something like that. True, they they they're they would probably be considered bivocational because they do they do subsistence farming for their own needs. So when when they're training, they can't go away to a Bible college or a seminary right. because they have to subsist, right. you know, right? And then they can't really be away from their from their churches. It, there's such a great need. So that's one of the reasons why they're. They're unable to go right. away. So they can't be away from their family. They can't be away from their church. Right. So it's not like here in America where, you know, you can go to a conference for a week, you know, hop on a plane and fly across the country to go to, you know, a big conference or and, and And imagine some of these pastors, they're, they're pastoring, shepherding multiple churches. It's very common in Africa to have one pastor shepherding uh, up to six or maybe even seven churches. At the, so what, what kind of care can they give? You know, when they're getting on their bicycle or on their right. motorbike and going from one place to another, that's very typical. Right. So th- there's a great need for leadership development. And um, well, what other differences uh, would there be? I mean, it's it's. I mentioned joy. I I, I mentioned the need for dependent. Uh, here's here's one. They're less dependent on material possessions. There. 
Now, that, that's interesting because part of our comfort zone here is our, our dependence on material things. Right. And that keeps a lot of times people from getting out of their comfort zone. Mm. They don't, they're less dependent on those things. So there can be a greater tendency to, to move toward the prosperity gospel there. Because, because they think people come in, especially in urban areas of Africa, and that's that they teach about prosperity gospel right. and, and they lead people astray. But when you get onto the rural areas, they're not, you know, those kinds of speakers don't come out there. You know, they want to be in the bigger venues, you know, in the urban areas. So, right. you know, it, it's the really the rural areas that are pretty good, give you a good picture about what's happening in Africa. There's a, I think Keller one time said that you don't realize that Jesus is all you um, need until Jesus is all you have. Exactly. Right. And, and I, I think we just don't get that over here at all because we have so much yep. and we're not desperate. Um, yes. but, but when you're desperate and then you get Jesus, it's no wonder their worship is different than ours. Right. I mean, it just makes sense. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like you're going to erupt in worship because you've got, mm. you've got Christ. You know, right. God came for me and he did this for me. And I, you know, yeah, it's pretty cool. One of the coolest things that I got to do in my uh, second trip to Cambodia mm -hmm. uh, a few years ago uh, was that uh, four of us, there was two dirt bikes and four people, and uh, we got to ride, I got to ride on the back of a dirt bike for four hours, which was brutal, um, to go out into rural Cambodia near the Vietnam border and uh, participate in a couple of days of training you know, rural pastors that, for all the reasons you said, can't break away to come mm -hmm. you know, into the city uh, for training or anything because they're you know farming for their own needs and that kind of thing, too. And... These pastors were, I mean, it was, it was hard. You know, we slept on the floor, not, not even on a bed. You know, we slept like on an outside deck and, and then had to ride four hours back on a dirt bike after sleeping on it. I mean, this was killed my back. But it was one of the coolest things I think I've ever done is just to get to go meet these yeah. rural pastors who do what you're talking about. And, um, they were just so grateful that anybody would come to them. Um, yeah, they and they like just soaked up everything that you had to say because they knew you know, mm -hmm. that it was a big deal you know, that you were there, uh, and especially as a foreigner. And it, and it was cool. Um, just what, what a great privilege you know, to get to do something like that. There was a remote area in Liberia called Tapata that we, that we went to. And the first time we went there, we knew it was going to be rough with, as far as the roads. Well, we happened to fly in with Mission Aviation Fellowship. It wasn't until after the, the, the one week of training that we realized how rough it was. And, uh, but when we first got there, the pastor of the church said, it's amazing, he said, um, a lot of people come here once. They just come here once. <laughs> they don't, they don't right. keep coming. And we've continued to come until to, you know, since 2019. But when we left Tapata and went to a, another town called Ganta, it was a six, seven hour journey. We, we, we went three hours in a Toyota 4Runner, broke down, okay? And then we had three motorbikes that were like our wingmen to go out to see where the, ro the condition of the roads. And so we rode on back the back of motorbikes for four hours. Yeah, chat. yeah and so you it, know what that's about. <laughs> it was really, really, it was tough. So the pastors, they, you know, they, they go, they travel those roads and their backs are hurting. Yeah. And that's a major difference too, just getting around from right. one place to another. We, we rode on the back of dirt bikes, like not even like nice street bikes. You know, they were like dirt bikes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Rough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so traveling infrastructure is so different yeah. there than, than here. And so people, like here in the West, like we can go to a conference and it's not a big deal. Um, 
you know, in, in places like what we're talking about, like people just value it mm-hmm. more because it, it's it's a privilege. They consider it more of a privilege to, to get to participate, you know, in something like that. Mm-hmm. And pro- probably true for you too, but, you know, these rural, you know, trainings in other countries, you know, they don't have, you know, buffets for you to eat at. They don't mm-hmm. give you, you know, swag bags with all kinds of books. And, and they don't have, you know, the latest and greatest bands providing music and the big-name speakers. True. Not saying there's anything wrong with that, but, like, just... You know, somehow pastors get trained without all that all that kind of hoopla, you know, and it's just neat. Yeah. The God works that way. They they feel like we're giving we're making such a sacrifice, but it's really them that are that are right in the trenches of right. ministry. So going there and encouraging them is like is it really makes my heart happy. Yeah. You know. <clears throat> so so there's some differences. What what are what are some of the similarities maybe that you see? between the church kind of on a global level versus, you know, here in the West? Similarities, uh, I would say we kind of all have trust issues. (laughs) You know, I mean, I I was thinking about this before, um, but like that pastor that said, you know, we, a lot of people come once. So there's there's a way, there's a need to get into, to, to gain their confidence. Because at first when they see a Westerner coming, they wonder, okay, are they just here to, to get a photo shoot, right? you know, and, and then go back to the States and, and show everyone, you know, what they've done. And I, I can admit that, I mean, pictures are important, and I send pictures in my emails and whatnot. But there are people there that you won't <clears throat> gain their confidence until you go back multiple times, sure. you know. And what, but when that trust begins to develop, man, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. Like right now we're working with a... A denomination in Tanzania and GTN is partnering with them and with uh, NASA Theological College and to see that trust begin to develop there and and to see the partnership and to know that we are working in this kingdom that won't be shaken it, it's just it's amazing the stuff that can happen yeah. if we can get over that trust issue sure so I would say one of the biggest things is trust yeah, that's yeah. good. Maybe I'll phrase the question to you a different way, Brent. What what what, what do you think uh, should be some constants between like the church globally that we should see kind of here and there? I mean, I, I just think of you know Acts two is is what always comes to mind when I think about what the church is supposed to be about. You know, what was the early church about? And yeah. it's the same. It's it's what we're always called to be. And I think I would assume there there's probably more of a community. You know, in these smaller places where they're relying on each other, hopefully. But you know, here we don't, we just don't do a lot of that. Um, you know, it's always a small percentage of right. Christians in the local church that seem to really plug in and get involved in each other's lives. Uh, but the idea that you know we call it doing life together, and it's a kind of a silly phrase, but you know, that's what the church is supposed to be doing. They're on mission together, mm-hmm. so they're breaking bread together, they're praying together, they're studying the Word together, they're they're in each other's lives in a meaningful way. And I would think that that probably goes on more there, um, but that's what I would—that's the similarity I would, similarity I would love to see um, taking place. Yeah, you know, I wish there was more of that here. How, how do you how do you think we can foster that? You know, it's it's I, I, the the sad truth is that I think desperation is what fosters it. I think it's it's sure. persecution and suffering is what fosters it. When you don't need other people, and you don't need the church, and you don't need you know you just you know you just sit home and watch Netflix or whatever. I guess. Right. Um, but when when you when things start to get crazy, like in Ukraine right now, mm. I, I bet the Christians have banded together in a way that they hadn't probably you know completely before. Right. And and you just see that kind of happen when persecution hits. So um, that's not how we want to foster it. Right. <laughs> uh, but that's kind of what tends to do it. This, the sad thing is, is that people are more open to receiving the gospel when they're detached from their comfort zone. 
Right. So you have these refugees, you know, that, you know, from whatever country uh, it, um, is receiving, whatever country is receiving those refugees, there's ministry there. Yeah. But there's this, um, this principle of detachment, is, and that's when people are the most open to the gospel. Sure. But it's hard to be with detached people because their situations are very, very difficult. Well, that's why probably the prosperity gospel is so prolific because it's an appealing message mm -hmm. to, you know, well, come, come, to, come to God and he'll give you everything you want or right. give you health and wealth and prosperity. It's like, yeah, sign me up if that's true. Yes. So, I, I would even say that the, the detachment thing you're talking about actually strengthened the church here locally um, through COVID and some of these other things. So even though we shrunk numerically, uh, I, what we have left is a, is a tighter knit group of people that are here that are desperate for Christ. And Absolutely. so, so we lost, and I'm not saying that everybody that's gone was a fringe Christian. I don't, don't misunderstand, but, but a lot of the people that were just kind of on the outskirts of the church or the fringe people have gone away, but there's a core here now that yeah. is, that is not, you know, um, it's encouraging. I mean, it, as much as I don't like to see the numbers drop and all that, um, there, there is something, you know, to be said about that detachment sure. that happened you know COVID mm -hmm. isolated us it it yes. scared us it it took away any security that we might have had apart from the lord and so yeah. people now that are coming seem to like be desperate for christ right that's that's a good thing mm -hmm. it became very evident uh to me and, and maybe you would back this up glenn uh, you know in my first trip to cambodia it was, my, it was my first trip abroad and i kind of approached that trip with okay like i'm gonna go there like i'm an analytical guy and i'm pretty organized and, and it's just the way my brain works and so my thought was that I'm going to go there and I'm going to find the problems and I'm going to help them fix the problems. Mm -hmm. right? That's just the way that I'm wired. Yes. And, and it was a real struggle, I mean, for months, like I, you know, emailing back and forth um, you know, to the organization asking for an agenda for a trip. Like it was kind of an itinerary of what we might be doing from one day to the next. And like nothing. <laughs> you know, I'm on the plane on the way there. Like I have no idea what we're going to be doing. And I'm just, I'm really frustrated by this. And, and it didn't take very long that we got there where I realized that they, they, don't, they don't need me, the Westerner, to come and, and figure out where mm. the holes are and, and how to plug them. Um, they had a very effective ministry that was super simple. And, and what, what they really needed at the end of the day was, was our resources to help them do more of what they're already doing. Mm -hmm. right? they, they didn't need my, my ingenuity or my ideas of, of how to do it better. Yes. <laughs> and that just became very apparent very quickly that, that they just need our support. Yeah. Uh, to do more of what they're doing. Resources is a big thing. They they absolutely need resources to do. They they have the hard workers. They have people that 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 want to jump in, but they're they're short of resources. Right. And that that's difficult for a Westerner going over there because it sometimes people get their their faith eyes off the Lord and they put it on someone who's coming from the West. Right. right. And and I honestly had a struggle with this because. I became very resentful at, to a, at a certain time because it seemed like, you know, people were always hitting me up for money. Sure. You know, and so I, I don't want to lead right. with that. You know, I want to be a part of a ministry where this is what we do. We're not providing. We're not building buildings. We're, we're training. So it takes that component out so that I'm not leading with USD. You know, sure. I'm, I'm leading with we're training here. You know, we're, we're, we're leading with discipleship. Right. It is remarkable how far a dollar goes on the other side of the world. That was the other thing that, that came pretty evident pretty quickly, too, is mm -hmm. that, like, our money goes a long ways. Yes. There is that balance of, you know, like, we don't want to go there and just, hey, I'm your ATM, you know. But but it is remarkable that, you know, the resources that we can provide, um, you know, really do go uh, a long ways. We've only got to do one question. <laughs> 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 I know. Yeah. Really? Well, sh well, shifting gears, that's a... <laughs> 
pick, um, pick the pick, pick the best one. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I think we can we can get through some others here. Um, what what are what are some of the theological streams that we see across the church globally? Like like here in America, you know, we, we debate over you know we've got labels for all kinds of things. You know, like are you an Arminian? Are you a Calvinist? You know, are you a Baptist? Are you a Pentecostal? Are you Reformed? You know, whatever. We have these kind of different theological streams, and we, and we love to debate our theology. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially over social media, gives us you know, platforms uh, to yeah. do that. Um, we're, we're very kind of tribal in that regard where, um, you know, we, whatever theological stream we're a part of, we're, we're convinced that everybody else is wrong, you know, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that look like on a global level when you travel um, to Africa? Just the different theological streams and how people um, handle that. Well, it, it's very interesting that um, the, the principle of grace and sin law and grace. I know you've talked about that recently, but I went to a church one time where um, I, I hadn't, I hadn't, I, I was invited eventually, I was, I was invited to preach there at this church in, in a, a rural, in a, um, a, an urban area. But the, the guy who helped us a couple of years before was telling me about this, about this church that had a sinner's bench. Okay. So, you can imagine what this is. This That's all we have here. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, this this whole idea of of um, you know sin and 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 how we treat sin and how we treat the sinner, and and that's a theological thing that um, they're still struggling with in mm-hmm. in, in cer- certain parts of Africa, you know. So the the whole issue of grace and law is really really an important topic there for them. So I think there's uh, a big difference there. There's some theological streams that are taking place there. The whole issue of suffering. Um, how do people, you know, I've had some, I've had, I've asked the question, is suffering evil? And someone said, yes, you yeah. know, a pastor. So th- there needs to be more of a theology of suffering that, that we, we train people. And you wouldn't think that would be the case because they suffer so much in Africa from a lack of food and good quality water and things, things like that. So those are immediately, those are the things that kind of come out, you know, as far as theology and the, the need for training. Yeah. What would you say, Brent, about just kind of the church here in America from your perspective and just the, the different theological streams that exist and like how do we, maybe what are some ways that we that we do well handling theological streams and maybe what are some of the ways that we don't do so well in the handling of our theological streams? Uh, you know, the way we've kind of compartmentalized the church here is frustrating. I think you've got the people that are like, you know, we're all about strong theology and, and so we're, we're going to go over here and worship together. And we're all about the gifts of, you know, the spirit and, and uh, you know, the, the experiencing God and yes. we're going to go over here and worship. And it's like, well, maybe, maybe we should like, Get in the same building and, and focus on theology because it's good, mm-hmm. but also not, you know, just quench the spirit. And I mean, it just is weird how we've done this thing. And so so if you can kind of get the chocolate and the peanut butter coming together where you're not compromising theology, but you're getting the goodness of, you know, the church. And, and even in leadership, we kind of, you know, feel strongly about that. The more that we have, you know, as far as the gifting goes here, as opposed to one guy who's sure. maybe got, you know, one gift and we all rally behind him. But, you know, it's the same idea of, 
you know, God has built the church in a very unique way. And so I'm, I'm thrilled that at the door right now, we've, as, as multicultural or multi, whatever you want to call it, as we can be in this community, we are. So mm. everybody that's in this community is represented in this church. And that's kind of weird, even, even yeah. denominationally. Mm-hmm. And we all kind of play together in the sandbox. So you've got people here that are pretty rich and you've got people that are dirt poor. You've got some, you know, sorry, but we've got some liberals here and we've got some conservatives <laughs> here and we've got, you know, you see all of this has come together and, and age, you know, young and old. And, and I love that. So, yeah, um, I wish there was just more of, of that, I guess is my, that's what popped into my head. So. Yeah, there's there's good. also a great need for discipleship, it, whether it be here or whether it be in the majority world. So that's that's a the need for leadership development, mm-hmm. and that you know one one pastor uh, serves like on average like 250 people in the United States in the West. One pastor, mm-hmm. one pastor serves like thousands upon thousands of people in the in the in the the. Uh, majority world wow. so there's a huge need for it to say those statistics yeah yeah crazy I mean and I think I, I think I was being gracious in that it's, it's even more than that but uh, there are a lot of great things that are taking place at the same time it's like I don't want to be negative there's 77,000 people that are coming to know Christ every single day on the globe okay 70,000 are in the global south and 7,000 are in the global north so it's like, okay, let's not compare. There's still 7,000 people coming to know Christ in the global north. Right. But all those people need to be discipled. Right. And the 70,000 that are, that are in the global south and with pastors that there's just so much of a need for discipleship all across the board, all across the globe. That's a huge, huge need. And uh, we talk about it a lot, you know. And I, one, of my favorite, <coughs> one of my favorite sayings is, when all is said and done, more is said than done, you know. We talk about it a lot, but do we? Do we? Are we actually being very effective at the the major mandate that Christ has given to well, us? Well, that's. I mean, that's a, just to point that out that, that, the obvious. That's part of the Great Commission is teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. That's the part where you know, baptize them, you know, and, and I'll be with you forever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. like no. There's a there's an element of like training people. Yeah. Um, you know about what God desires, you know, and it's time in his word that we mm-hmm. just kind of, and it's funny because I think of the churches here are so steeped in it. That's all we do sometimes is just sit around and study our Bibles and, and, and right. just fill our heads with more and more knowledge. Um, and don't, we don't really ever take it out and do anything with it. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of interesting that there's people that are just desperate for it. Right. <laughs> that aren't getting it. So, one, one of the things I was going to ask, and, and I'll probably ask it as we get closer to the end, but you know, like how can we, you know, pray for the, the global church, especially that's mm-hmm. like, that's something we can pray for. Mm-hmm. But I heard an analogy recently that just stuck in my mind that I'm probably going to try to use as much as I can, because I think it's really good. <laughs> it's like you, you can pray for a whole, then you can grab a shovel and start digging mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we can pray these things, you know, for, for the church local and the church you know, universal. Yeah. Um, and at the same time that we pray, like we can engage in the effort in some way. You know, it kind of goes back to the idea like there's the senders, the goers, and the disobedient. Yes. And, you know, we should all be engaged, um, you know, in the effort in, in some way, whether that's, you know, supporting guys like you more or people even just considering, you know, would God have me get out of my comfort zone and, and go do something that's, that's hard yes. and that has, you know, a cost to it. Um, that I might not feel qualified for, you know, or whatever. Um, so, so we can pray for holes and we can grab shovels to start digging, you know, at the same time. Well, as far as prayer is concerned, um, in the in the past years and years past, that Africa was evangelized uh, pretty successfully, even in, in the interior, uh, you know, 
China Inland Mission, of course, and this is China, or Sudan Inland Mission. So there are all these inland, you know, mission kind of organizations, and a lot of them evangelized, um, but they're they're evangelized, but they're not they're not necessarily discipled. Sure. So it's almost like well, here we have a lot of people that focus on getting the gospel out. Absolutely critical. What's also critical is following up with that. So the the church in Africa needs discipleship. Sure. They also need reconciliation. And I think that's part of the discipleship process is to be reconciled. So you, you hear these things about the genocide in Rwanda in 1994, where there's amazing uh, uh, things happening, just hurtful things happening. And there are, there are deep issues that run into the cultures right. of Africa. They need reconciliation. Right. So that would, be, that would be, I think, a great way to pray. Uh, there was a civil war in Liberia, and many people had to leave. They escaped to Ivory Coast or wherever, you know, neighboring countries. There's deep hurts in the church that that need we need to pray for reconciliation to take place. Yeah. So I would say those are definitely biggies. And even those things, I think, go back to you know just this idea of theological streams. You know, mm-hmm. like if you have a if your theological stream, you know, uh-huh. as it pertains to you know salvation, for yes. example. Um, you know, like that affects you know what you do once people come to faith and how you disciple people or if you disciple people and you know so there, you know, theology definitely plays a part of that. The theology of who we are in Christ, right? That's probably a great need, yeah, all across the globe. But we're starting to see it. We're starting to become more and more sensitive of it uh, of that. You know, yeah. who we are in Christ. Were you about to say something? No, it's okay. Okay. So that last couple questions as we're coming up on time here. Um, what what? Hopefully, this isn't necessarily like a weird question because I'll follow it up with with the positive. But but on the negative, like what, what's discouraging right now about the church? Like what what gets us down? What causes us to lay awake at night as we think about the church? Um, you know what what causes us to to pray with some angst about the church right now? Well, you're actively pastoring here at the door. Um, when when I experienced a lot of hurt. Uh, as a pastor when people left, when people left the church. That that was hard. And when I got so myopic about what was happening here in my own particular fellowship that I was pastoring, that was not good. Yeah. You know, when, when you as a pastor, you, you when you're walking in the Walmart, right, and people <laughs> are hiding from you in the next aisle. Or, or you're hiding from them. Or you're hiding from them, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, it's tough, but it's yeah. really, there's a big battle there that's taking place so did you see that in, in Africa like people kind of hopping from church to church uh, well I, I would never get that immersed in a culture to, to, to see those okay. sorts of things happening but I remember in churches that I've pastored in in Arizona that 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 took place and that hurt sure but it, but I, I was not looking at the church globally the more I look at the church globally these days the more encouraged I am yeah so we have some relational skin in the game that, that sometimes, you know, you talked about like difficult, back-to-back difficulty uh, pastoring situations. Yes. Like, um, I forget who, I think it was Mark Dever that once said that being a pastor is a commitment to being misunderstood. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it feels that way a lot of times, right? What, what, what about you? Like what, what causes you angst right now? You know, I mean, I, I think church. what discourage me, discourages me um, probably on an individual level is actually also encouraging to me on a, on a church level. So I'll try to explain that a little bit, but I'm seeing people fall away 
drop off, um, you know, kind of move towards nationalism right now and, and, and uh, you know, become very focused on the political scene in the, in the country, which I, you know, that's a whole other discussion. But just kind of watching a lot of Christians walk away right now mm-hmm. is weird. You know, there's, and, yeah. and in America, you just look at the numbers. They used to say 70, 80 percent of the people said that they were Christians, and now you're seeing this much, you know, I mean, it's just church attendance is dropping, people aren't, you know, and, and on one sense, you know, we even see this in our own church, and it can be discouraging, yeah. but then you also realize that none of those numbers were ever real or true, sure. and so you're seeing people that have been moralistic or have been, you know, wanted God, mm-hmm. they wanted a relationship with the Father because they wanted to get his stuff, they didn't really want him, right, yeah. they, they weren't desperate for a Savior, they just wanted, like, blessings, mm-hmm. and so you're seeing this big shift and it's discouraging, you know. I don't. You never want to see the church numbers drop or churches closing. But then you start thinking, well, wait a minute, God's doing something. He's shaking the He's shaking right. the tree. And so, so at the same time that it's discouraging, it's also encouraging because I'm seeing a purification going on in the church right Absolutely. now that is necessary. You mm-hmm. know, because so many people that have named the name of Christ or, or come under the banner of Christianity aren't. And 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 to to see that now that separate, you know, kind of happen. It's good. It's yeah. actually good for. <clears throat> the church, so yeah. it's and it's good to pay the price, and that's and that's when a lot of those things get separated out. You know, yeah. if we're paying a price and we and and we stay faithful, then God re- continues to reveal Himself to us. And what's the next step? Okay, what's the next thing that we need to do? Yeah. But it, when I was pastoring, I felt like there was a system that I was working in that was actually working against spirit-filled ministry. That I I, I can't I can't really explain it go into much detail, but I felt like I was in a system that, that was almost counter to what I was trying to do, you know? Hmm. So, you know... Do you think that's kind of uniquely Western? Like, do you think that's the case globally? I don't... I don't know. I, I have a I, hard time... I feel like that's kind of uniquely Western, but but I don't really have anything to back that up. It may be. And, and I don't... Whatever my views are in the comparison between the local church and the church in the majority world, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, it's much better over there. Right. It's still great here. Yeah. You know, there's still a lot of good things happening here. There, there, is, something about, everywhere. there is something about self-sufficiency, though, when you have everything you need mm-hmm. and you're kind of in control of everything. Kind of, you don't, you're not really relying on God for much. And exactly. the church is, also, is kind of set up that way a lot. Yeah. Uh, we, we've kind of got it dialed in. And so you even picture, you know, Jesus and, you know, the passage we use as an evangelistic passage, which really isn't, but in, in Revelation when it says, you know, you know, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Yeah. It's Jesus standing outside of his church going, you know, hey, guys, remember, remember right. me? Can um, I come in? Need me for anything <laughs> over here? And it's like, no, we got it. You know, you're good. Stay out there. Yeah. We, you know, and we do that, I think, with the Holy Spirit. We don't, we're not really desperate. We don't really, you know, it's like we want to experience God, but let's not get crazy. Let's just kind of, you know, so... For me, the self-sufficiency that we have have had in the church for a long time, and that's been shaken in the last couple of years. It has yeah, absolutely. That's a good thing for us. You know? <laughs> I believe it's so. It's good for us to not, you know, we, we can rely on our finances, we can rely on our government, we can rely on our politics, we can rely on all these things uh-huh. and never really rely on God. Mm-hmm. And when that starts to get, you know, I mean, what are you standing on at the end of the day? Right. And it used to be that so. the church was pointing its finger outside. Well, it's this, it's them, yeah. you know. It's the, it's our government or whatever. They're, we're And now we're starting to see, you know, yeah, the finger coming back at us. Okay, what can we do? Yeah, and sure. I think that's healthy. Yeah, I mean. yeah. Well, we're coming to an end here, but uh, you kind of already answered this, Brent. But like, what encourages us about the church right now? So, do you have anything to add to what you already no, said like, about like what Glenn encourages can, you? Yeah, I'll stick with my answer. Yeah. Do, do you have anything to add, Glenn, about what's encouraging right now about well, the church? Well, the, the statistics show that there there's a lot of global church growth, and and as we focus on that, then we have to say, okay, so what's the next step? You know. How do, how do we 
continue to encourage these leaders. So there are, there's more and more happening in leadership development with all of the growth in Africa and Asia. And uh, some we don't hear about because of the nature of those countries. <clears throat> but it is encouraging um, that even in um, places where you would say the countries are closed, that Jesus is actually showing up hmm. himself, preaching the gospel to, to, to Muslims and wherever that, that would never hear the gospel yeah. because of the church <clears throat> down the street. So people are, more and more people are coming to know Christ because Jesus is showing up, he's showing up in sure. these situations. So he, there's a lot going on that is out of our comfort zone in the church. But it's very, very encouraging. Actually, the, uh, Paul Brown posted the other day in, in, the, in the Thailand ministry, and he said, I was blessed the last two nights to preach to between 700 and 1,000 in Minamar. Um, and, and he's training pastors. He's training, so he's got, it was through Skype, you know, it was technology that oh, yeah. he doesn't even like or, you know, want to use necessarily. Yeah. It's like, I'd rather be there in person, he yeah. says. But but 700 to 1,000 people that were in this this church that it, uh, are, are wanting to be trained as pastors, and he has that opportunity. And so, yeah. so I think mm. as discouraging as sometimes we think, the church in America has become, and you're like, oh, what's going on here, and what's going, you know, but then you see what's happening, and that number you threw out there, and I'm a skeptic, but I'm like, 77,000 people a day are coming mm -hmm. to Christ, yeah. mm -hmm. it's like, even if that's, you know, what's the, you know, the margin of error, even if it's, you know, even if it's half that, right. it's like, still that's amazing, remarkable. so that's, you know, it goes back to what we started with, God yeah. will build his church. Absolutely. That comes right out of a, of, of a reputable seminary. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. You know, I, not that I don't want to believe it, but it's like you hear a number like that and you're thinking, how do they know that? You right. Know, and, and, which, and I think it knows it, you know, which seed is it? Is it the one that springs up? And, you know, right. I think of all that weird stuff because I'm, <laughs> I'm bizarre that way. But. What's especially encouraging about that, about Paul Brown, is, is what you shared was that Myanmar is going through so much trouble, yeah. you know, so much government shakeup and, and, and pain right now, but there's God. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and it's going to get weirder here, you know, and that's, that's yeah. something else we need to brace ourselves for. Um, if things keep going the way they're going in America and the, the political scene doesn't turn around the way we want it to or whatever, mm -hmm. um, it doesn't mean God's not on his throne and it doesn't mean he's not building his church. In fact, we might actually see a resurgence in a, in a way that we would never have had it otherwise. Right. So, you know, take heart, Christian. Yes. Um, God's on his throne and, right. he's, and he's doing something. So God works in the difficulty. Absolutely. I think, I think it was also Mark yeah. Dever that was, uh, and I love this quote, he's like, there's no such thing as a closed country, only places where it's harder to preach a second time. <laughs> so, I love that. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, we might be getting there, you know, I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, Kingdoms are definitely yeah. being shaken. Yeah. But we serve a God whose kingdom will never be shaken. Yeah. And that's right. that's what we hold on to. Yeah. Right? That's right. where That's where the... The, the place of, of strength and our rock is is founded. Yeah. yeah. Praise God. Well, good good conversation. Why don't we uh, pray for the church now that we've talked about it for the last hour <laughs> uh, and bring our time to an end. Thanks for joining us, Glenn. Oh, Appreciate you're very it. welcome. Glad yeah. to do it. Uh, Father, we're thankful uh, for today, and we're, we're thankful uh, especially uh, for the church. Thankful for the church overall of time. Thankful uh, just for the church of, of the present now uh, that we uh, are a part of uh, during this time in history. Uh, just pray that you would uh, continue to birth in us, foster in yes. us uh, just a love for the church, uh, that we would love the thing that Christ loves the most, um, even in all of its flaws and in all of its uh, difficulties. Um, help, help us to, to love the church and help us to do uh, what we can uh, to build the church, uh, both locally uh, and globally. Mm -hmm. Help us to, to know what to do with our resources and the wisest way to support the church uh, around the world. 
uh, help us to know how to support people like Glenn and people like the Browns that, that we already support, that we can continue to help foster the work that they do. Uh, but more than that, God, we pray that just the efforts of the church uh, around the world would continue uh, to point people to Christ and that we would continue uh, to hear of and see uh, salvations, people coming to faith uh, around the world. Yeah. Uh, we know that it's your plan according to Scripture uh, that people from every tongue, every tribe, every every nation uh, will be represented uh, in heaven. And so we just pray that you would help us to uh, do our part to further that work. Uh, and we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thanks for joining us. God bless yeah. you guys. Be encouraged in Christ. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to One Decent Pastor. If you'd like more information about the church, go to our website at thedoor3r.org.